everybody. My name is Matthew Brozy, uh, aka Rex Havoc. David Poindexter, uh, known as Robert Tables around the internet. What do you got for us today? Uh, one of the things I want to talk about today is I think we talk about sad, mad, and dad. Uh, for mm. anybody who didn't catch our last episode, sad, mad, and dad are acronyms used for the attributes that you use for your character to make them in the beginning of the game. And what character classes require certain um, attributes to make them what you want them to be in the game, right? So sad means single attribute dependent. It's a class that only requires one of its six attributes to be good to make the class what you want it to be in the game, right? Because we're not talking about min-maxing here. We're talking about you enjoying the character that you want to play. If you want to play a bard, you want to make sure that you have the statistics to do bard things in the game that you want to do, right? That's at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. So sad is single attribute dependent. Mad is multi-attribute dependent. These are subclasses and classes that need at least three attributes to make them be what you want them to be in the game, right? And then the last one we have is dad, which is a dual attribute dependent. It is a class. And I'm guessing that just means it really only needs two. Correct. Yes. It only needs two good statistics. And we're not even talking about like 18s or anything, right? We're just talking about you're going to need two statistics that are going to be in that kind of 16 ish. Yeah. 16-ish. Like, like 15 to 16 range, right? So. When we talk about this, it's important because people don't understand it, but it has a drastic impact on how you choose your character and how that character functions in the game. And so to be clear, again, we're not talking about min-maxing here. We're talking about enjoying the game to its fullest, and that's RP and combat, right? And so... If you want to play a character, you want that character to be able to do what you have perceived in your mind to have happen. So let me give you a great example. Robertables, what was your first character that you played in, in a long-term campaign? My first character was a monk. A monk, great. Monk is a mad character. It requires three attributes to function appropriately. Right? They are... Wisdom, dexterity, mm -hmm. and constitution. That's correct. Uh, some people could argue that the constitution isn't that relevant, um, but I think it. I think it is for the monk, right? Because it's something that you're going to need at the end of the day. I th so I, I think that in in the case of the monk, it, it really is a requirement. Um, From my experience so playing a monk in the way that I played it. Again, this might be just a new player uh, learning and feeling out the abilities and the sort of the purpose of a monk. I was getting hit a lot. And the extra con definitely helped me, you know, still be able to be up there making those, you know, at some point, like four attacks. Uh, dead characters don't hit anything. Yeah. So let me use a quick example, right? So when you played your monk... If you had had um, a lower constitution, you you would have struggled in that campaign because you would have you would have gone down a lot more, and it would have made you feel like your monk wasn't doing what you wanted it to do. Yeah, agreed. Right? 
And same thing would be, let me use a, an, an even more extreme example. Let's say that you only had one good statistic and you put it in your dexterity and then your wisdom was really low, like it was only a plus one, right? Would that monk be doing what you wanted to do? Like at the end of the day, your armor class would be super low. A lot of the, the saves and stuff that you make uh, as a monk would then be reduced as well because... Monks are proficient in wisdom saving throws, so therefore that would be really low as well. Um, it, it makes the class feel not like you want it to. I think it also thematically would feel wrong to have a monk with low wisdom. Just kind of generally thinking about what does a monk archetype feel like, right? So there's monk the fighter, but then there's also a monk. Deep thought you know, considers the world, internally evaluates themselves, how they power themselves off key. It just seems weird to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's only one archetype. But if you look at any of the other archetypes of monks, right? Like if you look at one that is a great fighter, that is very strong instead of dexterous, you still would need a multi-attribute to pull it off because you need the high dex to get your armor class, and then you could use strength to actually get your physical hit, right? You could, so your strength could be, say, an 18 with a plus four, your dexterity could be a plus three, and your wisdom could be a plus three, and then that would make that, by the way, those are amazing stats that you rolled for your character, FYI, but at the end of the I day- I have a history of doing that. I don't yeah. know if you've noticed. I have a history yeah. of rolling ridiculous random stats. <laughs> at the end of the day, though, that would be your med, right? Your multi-attribute dependent. You would need three high scores to pull it off. Um, and so that's really what we're talking about when we talk about med, right? And we'll get into what exactly falls into med. And the last is dad. That's dual attribute dependent. Super easy, right? So let's you talk just need about- just two. Just two. Yeah. Right? So let's talk about some of the classes that fall into these categories. Let's start with the shortest one first, right? Which is dad, right? Dual attribute dependent. So first one that comes to mind for me is the artificer, right? Never played on one. Average, on average, your artificer uses intelligence to um, for its spellcasting ability. And it uses intelligence, like it's its primary stat for the artificer is intelligence, right? But the, the Artificer on a whole, depending on the subclass that you pick, wears medium armor, two out of the three subclasses get an extra attack at level five or level six. So the Artificer is really designed to either be a ranged combatant using a crossbow or a bow or a short bow, or be a melee combatant because they can wear heavy armor and carry a shield and use a, a melee weapon, right? So, so in my order guess is their other attribute would need to be strength or dexterity, right? So or. you could you could do either or, right? Strength or dexterity based on how you want to use the extra attack. You know, if you want to be more of a ranged uh, artificer and you're going to like soup up your crossbow, um, then you could you could you know take the crossbow expert feat and then you can fire your crossbow twice. Uh, you know, I, I believe the, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think the one class gets it at level six and then the other subclass gets it at level five, right? So in my opinion, Artificer is definitely going to have to go into the dad category because you are going to need intelligence plus, right? Either strength or dex, your choice 
based on your loadout and how you want to play your artificer. Right. That's fair. Yep. The second one that fits in here, in my opinion, is the Hexblade Warlock. Just the Hexblade. No other Warlock. Just the Hexblade. Because you're going to need both Charisma and Dexterity. Because as a Hexblade, you're pseudo-forced into melee combat. You Not really. There are a couple of ranged Hexblade builds, but but most people are going to want to play a Hexblade to either wield a two-handed weapon or wield a longsword or an axe and make to it To wield cool. the blade. I they mean, the blade, the blade is in yes. the name of the thing. Come yeah, on. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, how would you feel if if you chose a Hexblade Warlock and then you're just like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to use a blade. Uh, I'm just going to use a short bow or a long bow yeah, or, or a great bow or you whatever play bow. An an artificer uh subclass the subclass's name is gunshot harry and there's no guns allowed <laughs> there's no guns oh. allowed right yeah that would be amazing so yeah hexblade warlock falls into the dad court category as well that's great and this there's one other that i'm going to put into the dad court category because it is wholly dependent on how the player chooses to play the class and that is fighter fighter mm is going to be one of those weird ones that I think it has to fit into all three. You dare say. I Yeah, I think it's the only one that has to fit into all three. Because based on how you choose to play your fighter determines what you actually need. So, for example, um, oh. a, fighter, a fighter can be single attribute dependent, right? Let's say I only have one good stat. And then the rest of my stats are just plus ones. Well, you can play an amazing fighter that has, say, an 18 strength, but only has a plus one dexterity and a zero constitution. Right. You know, uh, early on, I guess, depending on how you play it. Yeah. Sword and sure. board, get heavy armor. Right. And then now your AC is going to be really up there. Your strength is going to give you the damage that you want. Single attribute. You could play a fighter. Right. But let's say I want to play an agile fighter. Uh, you want to play an agile fighter, right? You could single attribute dexterity. Dex. Yeah, be a be a, a finesse weapon, dash and strike, tumble around but, but sort of now thing. Maybe, you're, but then you're limited to a D eight, right? So and yes, you probably won't be able to wear. The armor you think you're going to be wearing. Oh, you're going to be wearing leather or studded leather armor or something right. similarly as light, right? Right. So if you if you do single attribute into dexterity, it's not going to work out as well as you would like because your your weapon choice will be limited. But if but it if can you, work, it can work, which is why I said it's going to fit into all three categories. Sure. Uh, but realistically, if you want to play a slightly more agile fighter but you want the ability to increase your weapon choices because people like to play around with the weapons that they use as a fighter, right? You, it's that, right? Because you need a high strength and a high dexterity, right? You need the high dexterity to- So now you're to moving to the next set of your, I guess the versatileness of the fighter. Correct. And I mean, let's say for a minute that you want to play a fighter who's an investigator and is really good at some part of non-combat, 
right? You want your fighter to be, you know, pick any any random archetype of character that you want to emulate as a fighter. But but what you're emulating is out of combat um, skills. Well, you can get those out of combat skills using your background or using your race. But if you don't have the appropriate intelligence, wisdom or charisma to support it, then it's not going to feel like the character you want. Okay. And, and this is one of the reasons why I put fighter in dad as well, because you could go that single attribute route for combat but then that second attribute that makes it dad is the attribute that you're going to need to increase the out of combat skills to make your the, character your perception checks, your investigation checks, your uh, persuasion checks, diplomacy. or you know whatever for whatever Maybe you want. Maybe you do. want to be good at diplomacy. Maybe you want to be good at deception. Maybe you intimidation. Want... Well, yeah, intimidation you... you can get as a fighter though. That's a common skill that comes in the fighter. But yes, you need charisma uh, if mm -hmm. you're not going to intimidate in an alternative way, right? So yeah, if you wanted to be very intimidating, then you would also need a good charisma score. Good cop, so, bad cop, or yeah. detective behind the scenes that's actually not playing either of those roles. Right. You could probably sure. do it all with a fighter. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you can do it. You can do all that with fighter, right? So that makes it dad, right? Because in my opinion, you're going to use two attributes to make it the way that you want because we're not really talking about just combat right we're talking about what you would need to make your character feel the way that you want it to feel in the game while still being able to be competent and confident in what you can do right? yeah that makes sense and you know that uh rp and exploration are parts of the game that you know some people like some people don't like but it is part of the game for sure and that's it. That's all I have in dad, right? That's all I could place in dad when I went through all the classes and, and sort of subclasses. Uh, and I'm probably missed some. There's probably some little known subclasses to me that I, I didn't fully get into and I missed it. If I did, please tell me, right? Let me know. If you have a, a difference in opinion and what fits in here, please let me know. Um, let's talk about mad. This is the fun one. And this is often hard to explain to really new people. When you are creating a character for the first time, you are going to look at these classes and say, oh my God, I want to play them. And you're not going to know why people are going to steer you away from them uh, to begin with. Let's start with the first one, Barbarian, right? Yeah. Barbarian is definitely a multi-attribute dependent character. Right? No matter how I'm you playing a barbarian it. now, I'm playing a barbarian now, and I really only am able to do it because I got super lucky on my rolls to allow me to do it. Yeah, to be honest. And and we've experienced in our in our campaign as well somebody who didn't have that great of a rolls on their barbarian, and they were playing a barbarian for the first time. And they played the Barbarian for a handful of sessions and then decided to retire the character to move on to a new one because it wasn't doing what they wanted it to do. It didn't feel like they wanted it to feel. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's the crux of understanding this whole topic is, is 
knowing what statistics you need to make your character feel the way you want it to feel. Because if you branch out into a character and you don't have the statistics to support it, it's not going to feel like you want it to feel, so you're not going to be fulfilled when you go to play that character, right? You should pull a different character out of the tank that supports the stats that you have, right? And then you're going to have a better time playing that character. So that barbarians. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Think about the characters that you've played and you've inadvertently followed, you know, Mad, Sad, and Dad without knowing it. Oh, I absolutely did. I, I mm -hmm. also, uh, this is a very interesting thing. If you go into D&D uh, &D Beyond, uh, so I do this a lot, sometimes for fun. Uh, by the way, we're not sponsored, but hashtag, <laughs> not marketing. If you go in there and you go through the step-by-step, -step, which I think you mm -hmm. should, go through the step-by-step yeah. -step character creation, they ask you for your race and class right up front mm -hmm. and only later ask you well what are your stat roles mm -hmm. i don't ever create something in that way i will do the random role and say based on what i got what type of a character could be suitable for those roles and and that's how i ended up with you know uh just you know Luck of the dice, nothing special about me. Enough to support playing a monk, and then a paladin, and then a cleric, and then a barbarian. But I'm basing that on, all right, did I bomb on the rolls, or did I really blast it through the roof? And then I take those th into consideration, but my character is built on, do the rolls support a sad a dad or a mad and those three and then i start narrowing it down to hmm what sounds fun to play that's what i do maybe other people approach it differently yeah it's true um so barbarian's pretty self-explanatory right you're gonna need strength dex con right you need those three you need the dex and con for your your armor class Yes, you maybe can skimp on your decks a little um, and, Not and, by much. And, and wear armor. But then if you wear armor, then you're not taking advantage of the con. And as soon as you take the unarmored defense away from the barbarian, it, it doesn't feel like a barbarian, right? It, 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 it gets a little weird. Um, and, and that is an option that people can take, but if you do it, it again, doesn't feel like you want it to feel right. And so now mind you, if you understand sad, mad, and dad, you can make those alterations to your characters with the full understanding of the ramifications of what is necessary to make that character play the way you want it to. And you're about, yeah, but I don't want to play it that way. I'm doing this other niche thing, right? That's the importance of knowing this. Sure. Because then you can know when you're going to take a mad character and turn it on its head because you're going to do something different with it. Right. The next one I have here is two subclasses in Bard. Right. And we're just going to talk about them together because they have different things that function. But the reason why they fall in the mad is the same for both. And that's College of Swords and College of Valor. 
Both of these are predicated on an upfront melee fighter bard, right? Do you have to play it that way? No, there's some wiggle room, but really their, their, their skills uh, and the abilities that they get support you being a more heavily armored fighter um type bard right like the the very giving, the giving and taking bard. hits yeah front line you're, giving and taking hits you're going to be front line flo or floating around front line uh giving and taking some hits and i think for that reason you can't just build charisma on them because either you need the strength to wear heavier armor or you need the dexterity to wear lighter armor to have the ac or you need to uh, have the dexterity to use a ranged weapon so that you can wear medium armor but still stay out of combat. So I think because these two lot classes... lot of choices there. There's lots of choices there. So I think because of the way that the skills function in these subclasses, they lead you towards being one of those types of bards. So therefore, I feel like if you want to be one of those two bards, you're in mad. Right, you're going to need multiple attributes because bards always need charisma. Bards always need either wisdom or intelligence for their skills. And then this bard is also going to need dexterity as well. So I think the swords and valor bard fall into uh, multi-attribute dependent. That makes sense to me. Yep. The next is the fighter. I told you I put the fighter in all three classes. All three columns there. All yeah, three absolutely. Columns. I think there are certain subsets of fighter that you want to play that is mad, right? You want to have a high strength, a high dexterity, and then a high wisdom, or a high dexterity and a high charisma, or um, you, you want multiple of your stats to be high for the type of fighter that you're choosing to fit what you want it to feel like Echo right. Knight or Eldritch Knight, right? If you're an Eldritch Knight, this fits into Mad as well, right? Because you need your intelligence to be up, and then you need your strength or dex to be up, and then you're also going to need one of your other skills, right, to flesh it out. So I think that Fighter falls in that category as well. Next is Monk, right? You had a lot of experience Monk. with this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I loved and, it though. I, I, oh, yeah. So, from your experience, it, why does Monk my heart. feel, from your experience, why does Monk feel like uh, a multi attribute dependent class to you? Uh, so when I started building a monk, uh, I knew right off the bat that dexterity was going to be super important. It was shocking that wisdom was important till I learned why. And then, when I started thinking about how situations go down, especially combat, but not always just combat, the speed of the monk is the real benefit, right? I mean, that's that's the primary thing that stuck out to me is that there's massive speed behind a monk. And this is even if you don't do like a tabaxi that also gets like bonuses. And the idea of flicking around the battlefield, trying to basically reduce the enemy in terms of the action economy, right? Well, you're going to be taking some hits. And then I was like, oh, shit, my, my con is terrible. And I was taking hits and going down all the time. And the 
big problem, other than me not enjoying going down all the time, is to bring me back up meant someone else had to do something other than the thing we should be doing. I became a party drain. That is the part that didn't feel good. So then I was like, oh, this really does need all three. And that's one of the things I want to stress with what we're talking about. We're talking about this in reference to making your characters feel good. This isn't about min-maxing your characters. This is about making it feel like you want it to feel on the table or at the table right. when you're playing uh, with your friends. So the next one is Paladin, which you also have experience which with. Which I also do have experience with. Yep. I loved my Paladin. Mm -hmm. Loved him. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Didn't Wasn't your Paladin lacking in one area because you stepped into it without knowing really what multi-attribute dependent was? If I remember correctly, like, I think that one of your three stats wasn't great. It wasn't I bad, believe, but it wasn't I great. believe that's, yeah, I believe it was really two amazing roles, one mediocre and the rest kind of samey. Yeah, I think one of the one of the ones for your paladin was actually just okay. Um, and that boy was rough in the beginning. It took yeah. a lot of work, and but yeah, I basically turned two good attributes into a mediocre, uh, mad paladin. Uh, I did have fun with him though. Yeah, and that can happen, right? Like uh, just because some of these are a little lower that might still fit what you want out of a character, right? Mm -hmm. you, you might still be fulfilling that need or that want that you're looking for when you choose that character class, even if some of the attributes that you would like to be a little higher are a little lower, right? You'll still get the fun out of it that you want, but sometimes you won't. Sometimes it won't feel like you want it to feel. It, it certainly didn't at the beginning, and I, I believe that the, the way that I made it up was using my initial ASIs when we mm -hmm. leveled up to focus on repairing that bad choice that I made, yeah. which ended up being fine. That said, there are probably feats that I missed out on because I spent it all on leveling up a mistake that, that was there from the beginning. Yeah, for sure. The last one we have in the mag category is the Blade Singer subclass of wizard. It's the only subclass of wizard over here. Um, and you have experience category. with that one. I do. Yes, I played a Blade Singer in our Curse of Strahd campaign, and uh, I'm going to tell you right now, the uh, Blade Singers are absolutely multi-attribute dependent. Right? You have to have a high dexterity and you have to have a high intelligence because your armor class functions wholly off of those two things. When you activate your blade singing, uh, you get to add your AC to your armor class, your intelligence to your armor class um, until the blade singing stance runs up, which is one minute. Right? So you get 10 rounds in combat. Um, so this makes it so that your blade singer has to have a high dex, has to have a high int, and because you're a melee fighter, you have to be a melee fighter with a blade singer. It does the class just doesn't work if you're not, right? It doesn't do what you want it to do if you're not. Then you you end up in this weird situation where 
you're a frontline fighter with a really high AC with wizard hit points. And that doesn't sound fun. It, it, it's hard, right? Because the Blade Singer is predicated on making its armor class so high with using dexterity, using intelligence, mage armor stacks with that. So with a half decent dexterity shield and shield, right? So like at 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 the lowest level a blade singer can be a blade singer, you theoretically can have your armor class over 20. Really yeah, at, at really low levels, at really low levels. And I I started to realize as I was moving through the campaign that yes, my AC was really high, so the only times I was being hit it was a crit. Yeah. Which meant that my poor, poor hit points couldn't handle it. Right. Yep. So every time I was hit, I was almost always knocked down or very close to being down because my hit point pool was so low. And, How did and that I feel it didn't feel good. And I skimped, I did not have the attributes to play a mad class. I had to skimp in my constitution and and I only had a plus one constitution, which meant right. my my hit points were a D6 plus one. So when you're in the Curse of Strahd and we're fourth level and we decide to, you know, uh, blow into a room and there's four vampire spawn in that room uh, and the first vampire spawn out of the door hits you crits you and crits puts you at two HP. Right? Would a party would a party do that? Would a party choose? Would a party choose? Yes. Yes, they would. They would choose violence for sure. Um <laughs> and so so it it didn't function the way that I wanted it to because I found a flaw in the mechanics that made it so that every time my character was hit, I was basically taken out of the fight completely. And right. I hadn't imagined my Blade Singer as a glass cannon character because my Blade Singer's damage output wasn't immense. It was nowhere near the other people in our party. Was it okay? Yes, absolutely. Because I was using a Shadow Blade or I was enhancing my rapier to do extra damage with other spells. So there were things that I was doing to make my damage okay, but but we definitely had other people in the group that were the big damage dealers. And in Dungeons and Dragons, you can't force people to swing at you and be a tank. So the Blade Singer really doesn't function appropriately, in my opinion, unless you have Dex, Con, and Intelligence. I can agree with that. And and after witnessing it as well, uh, thinking, wow, I know you were really excited to play this class. And then when that happened, you know, you can't help but over the call here, the the deflate. Ah, oh, well, shit, I'm down again. I'm down and again. When it, when, you know, when it happens, it's kind of like, ah, oh, man, I know my friend is excited to play this thing. But like when you're you're out of the entire fight in the first round. For one, it's not fun for you. For two, it's harder for us. And then for three, now you're a party resource drain. Now yep, someone has sure. to think about getting you back up. So totally understand that. For sure. And so the rest of these we're going to talk about are all sads, right? Um, 
I think every bar, if we haven't mentioned a subclass somewhere else, it means that all the rest of the subclasses fall here, right? Bard. I think Bard is a sad character. Or I think you can just have a good charisma and play an amazingly good Bard, right? You're going to be sufficient in combat, and you're going to have all the skills that you could want as a Bard, right? All the charisma-based skills. You Tons just of up. skills. Yep. And so you're going to have a really decent time, right? You can expertise some of those skills as well. Bards 100% can play sad. Bards are also considered uh, bards are also considered a full caster, really. Yes. Yeah. The more, the more attributes they have, the better they off they are because bards are what is called a skill monkey. Uh, it yeah. means they, they they just have all the skills, right? Like that monkey on your back with skills right so bards are, are super good at that so the better their attributes are the more they can branch out but they they don't they're not it's not needed it's not needed Base level, to they're make fine. The class feel the way that it is supposed to feel same thing with cleric a cleric yeah. is a sad character you only need a good wisdom to play a cleric everything yep. else is just gravy on the cleric you you just need wisdom and that's it same thing with Druid and all of its subclasses. You just need wisdom, right? If you just have a good wisdom, the rest is gravy because you're a spellcaster. Yes, you can wear medium armor. Yes, you can carry some martial weapons like a spear and things like that. But as a Druid, you're and, and the way that cantrips scale in 5e, you're never going to be using anything other than your cantrips to attack as a Druid. You're just not going to do it. Maybe, maybe you cast Shillelagh on a weapon to, to swing. Right. Maybe. Right. That, and I mean, that's okay. That That is a possible druid, but it's not necessary to play the druid and to make it feel like a druid. I would say that, you know, if you get to a point, I got to this point. Uh, if you get to a point where you think that cantrips are, oh, well, that's never going to do anything. A 3d10 cantrip, when all you did was multi-class into something, is, like, amazing. Yeah. And then the druid is an actual full caster, I believe, right? They are, yeah. Druids are a full caster. So their cantrips are, are pretty good, right? They, they Are they limited in their attack cantrips? Yes, absolutely, no doubt. But, but their cantrips scale. So as soon as you get past fifth level... Every cantrip is better than any weapon you can swing. It's just it's a very interesting way to look at it. Yeah. And, and, and that is true for every caster that has cantrips. Right. If, if you don't have multi-attack, a cantrip is better. I should say, if you don't have the feature extra attack, multi-attack's a monster thing. If you don't have the feature extra attack, then your cantrip is better than any weapon you could ever swing. I don't care if it's a Holy Avenger. Your cantrip is better than the Holy Avenger. And you're only going to get one opportunity to do a thing at that point. Correct. So, so your cantrip it's just, beating it's, it's, out a weapon, why do you worry about the weapon? Right, why do you worry about the weapon? So, Druid, Cleric, they're both single attribute. Fighter, we talked about it already in our other ones, why we think Fighter could be single attribute you literally could just have a high strength or a high dex fighter and you're it that's it you're a great fighter 
You don't need anything else. Um, ranger, you only need your dexterity to be a good ranger. Um, you don't need anything else. Um, are there builds that you would want to build with your ranger that would require them to be mad or dad? Sure. Yes, absolutely. But the same can be said for all of these. But the question is, do you need it to play the class? And the answer is no, you don't need it to play the class. As a ranger, you just need your dexterity, and that's it. You will be a fully functional ranger the way that we imagine rangers in our head. Right? Rogue. Same thing with rogue. Rogue is a single attribute dependent class. You only need dexterity. People are going to argue with you that rogue is a skills class so that you need to be a, have a higher charisma or a higher intelligence. No, having a higher charisma or a higher intelligence just makes you better at those things. It doesn't make it needed because you can have, say, a plus one in your charisma and then you choose deception as your expertise. And now you get to add double your proficiency modifier plus your one. You're going to have a fine stat there. The character is going to feel the way that you want it to feel. You can make up your skills because you have expertise to make the rogue feel the way that you want it to feel. But the one thing, the one thing with a rogue, you can't be low on is dex. Yes, you can't. That's that's where it fits into set. Of course, all these characters, if you, gee, would I like to roll high on a bunch of dice for a bunch of attributes? Yes, of course, of course. It's always going to enhance things. But there's one thing the rogue can't be a rogue if they're missing, and that's dex. Right. Uh, sorcerer. Single attribute dependent. Does need nothing but nothing but charisma. Everything else is just gravy. Yeah. You can take spells to protect yourself if you don't have another one that you can put in your decks to bump it up some. Um, you could get bracers of AC. There, there's things that you can get to to handle what most people consider a shortfall, right? If people are playing a wizard or a sorcerer and they don't have a good dexterity, they think, oh my god, my, my character is not going to last long in the campaign. And that's not true. You just need to play it differently. You need to actually position your sorcerer in positions that you can't be hit from. Yeah, right? use cover, oh. attack at a range. Yeah, oh, the enemy only moves six squares or, or 30 feet, right? I'm going to make sure I'm 35 feet away from enemies at all time. So I'm going to use my full movement and then my action and bonus action to cast spells, right? So you don't need a high dex... Uh, you don't need the high dexterity to play these classes, and that's the point, right? You mm -hmm. can do a sorcerer. And, and since we're talking about it, we're just going to wizard, right? Wizard and sorcerer function the same exact way for the purposes of what we're talking about. Yeah, right? absolutely. They, but yes, they are different classes and they function differently. But at the end of the day, they are both ranged arcane casters that require right. one attribute to function. The wizard intelligence, the sorcerer charisma. And that's it, right? So at the end of the day... They are both a single attribute dependent class, right? And then the last one we have is Warlock. Warlock is a single attribute dependent class 
Just charisma. Provided you don't play Blade Pact. How is because Blade Pact different? Blade Pact is different because you're going to be a frontline fighter with Blade Pact or a close up fighter. Not necessarily frontline, but close up. Some warlocks could use a pull arm, right? You could use a halberd as your pact weapon. And then you have a 10 foot reach, so you don't exactly have to be in the front. Um, but at the end of the day, most of your other warlocks, uh, chain pact, or if you're going to go an Eldritch Blast build, all of those things just require your charisma to be high, and that's it. Anything past that is gravy. Um, and and that, that's the list of, we, we've talked about every class at this point. Every class has been put into dad, mad, or sad. Right? So, with that and in mind... And if we got it wrong, if we got it wrong, let us know. Or if you could think of others. Or if you have questions of, hey, I'm playing this subclass, where does this really fit? Or I'm thinking of a new thing I want to roll, let us know. And be mindful, we're just talking about official subclasses right now. Like, official material. We're not talking about anything, uh, anything past that. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to us. If you have any, any responses to what we have to say, please reach out. I, I really do want to hear from you guys and hear your thoughts and, and feelings on what we've had to say. I am completely open to discussion about these types of things. You know, my name's Matt Brosey a.k.a. Rex Havoc. David Poindexter, uh, known as Robert Tables around the internet. Please feel free to reach out to us. Have a fantastic night.